0: Okay, and we're back for another episode of Alpha AlphaCast. My name is Mike Winner, and I'm here, as always, with Dr. Bear Paul Lando, up here on the beautiful Smith River on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. We're here with some amazing guests from Down Under, and this is just going to be a show worth listening to probably many times. So get your notebooks out. We're going deep into common law and health and freedom and whatever else comes up. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, today, we, uh, oh, and real, uh, real quick side note of business, uh, if you're new to the podcast and you're interested in what we're all about, please check out our website, alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. It's got all our information there. Uh, we've got an amazing Telegram group, a Discord group. We're all about building communities, so you can find us on there. t.me forward slash Telegram is our Telegram group, and alphavedic.com forward slash Discord is our Discord group. Uh, and then last, we have our big gathering coming up this weekend in Joshua Tree. This is a heavily private, cura- heavily curated private event, a gathering of like-minded souls. It's a collaborative event. Everyone coming is pitching in in some way. It's a wellness-focused, wellness-centered celebration of life. And we're all coming together to really uh, work on solutions for the future world we all want to see. If this is something that interests you and you can make it to Joshua Tree this weekend, please Uh, ping me on telegram or find me on instagram at dj mike winner or just join our telegram group and um, we'll show you the way to that now without further ado today health and freedom are the topic with special guests tom barnett and mark patelic did i pronounce that right mark mark on see that linguistics class worked out for me in uh, university i guess our freedom and health one and the same. We strongly believe this to be true as does our very popular return guest and special friend AlphaCast Tom Barnett. This time Tom is joined by Australian countryman Mark Patelik from Solutions Empowerment. Together we'll navigate the waters of sovereignty and discuss why that term and all who identify as such find themselves socially maligned or overtly persecuted. Have our alleged representatives and public servants within government usurped our birthright, or have they simply occupied a void void left by an increasingly uneducated and apathetic populace? Both Tom and Mark have become powerful international voices in the right for self-determination, and recent world events have awakened many to the dire consequences of bureaucracy gone rogue. Join us today as we jump into this. Like I said, get your notebooks out. This is going to be one for the ages.
1: Dr. Berlando. I know you're excited about this one. Very excited. And uh, <laughs> thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Michael, good to see you as always. So you're going to go down, the, um, down to the desert and uh, party for a couple of days and leave me toiling here on the farm. I'm not sure how I feel about that.
0: Now, 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 it's uh, definitely not partying. We're not getting wasted in the desert. Um, there will be some, some fun times and some um, definite ceremonial dancing going on, but this is a wellness, this is a lot of work actually. <laughs> um, I'm pretty beat already, but I, I am really looking forward to this. Yes, yeah, so um, unfortunately, Dr. Lando will not be able to join us. Uh, originally, that was the plan, but due to the Slater fire and all sorts of things going on, uh, he's harvesting this weekend uh, slaving away, as he says, even though I know he loves it. And, uh, I'll be schlepping on down to Joshua tree first thing in the morning tomorrow. It's a 15 and a half hour drive, but well worth it. And we will be playing in the desert. We will be co-creating. We will, there'll be massive workshops, permaculture design, common law. We got hang the banksters doing a whole talk and on jurisdiction and, uh, ecclesiastic law and that kind of fun stuff. We've got Um, Josh Dale's soul now coming down and and some really exciting things going with it, with all this, of course, amazing speakers, Troy Casey certified health nut ripped at 50 is really holding down the fort with me as a kind of a co-host. So, uh, it's going to be amazing. Obviously amazing live music. Uh, there's a ton of healers, body workers. So yeah, bear, um, you're missing out for sure, buddy. But, um, next time you'll be there. We're hoping to do this, uh, quarterly,
1: um, if all things go well. And the audience will be missing out at RIPPED at 70. (laughs) Oh, yes, sir. Hey, Tom, uh, great to see you back, buddy. Um, You know, your episode that we had with you was uh, very popular. uh, Got thousands of views and a lot of requests. People want to hear you again and uh mark thank you so much i haven't met you here uh before but i know of you very well you're absolutely legendary in your circles and sovereignty circles so thanks uh gentlemen this would be a a great discussion uh you know uh mark i'm really looking forward to talking you as well today because um i know you've been around the block with this a little bit i started in 1975 and uh Some of my first circles included people like Roger Elvick. Uh, You know, we were, uh, uh, let's just say, affiliated with people that were uh, very intimate with uh, Montana Freeman and all sorts of sordid characters out there in the sovereignty world. So, uh, you know, I've definitely earned my stripes and uh, been targeted and and, uh, had some frequent uh, flyer flyer miles with the... uh, with certain agencies, alphabet agencies who didn't like what we we're doing. You know, we used to put on events uh, all over the world and, and, you know, this was back before these names were recognizable, but we had people like, uh, you know, uh, Ron Paul, who is an independent uh, libertarian back then. Uh, we had G. Edward Griffin from, uh, you know, we used to know him well with uh, you know, creature from Jekyll Island. We had David Ike before he was a world sensation. So, uh, you know, we've been out there trying to get the the truth out for a long time. So, uh, really looking forward to this. And um, y- let me start off with you, Mark, uh, since you're new to our venue here. Uh, with one simple question: What is it about the word sovereign that is so triggering to people out there?
2: Well, that's a very good question. <clears throat> uh, Sovereign doesn't ring a lot of bells for me personally, but um, it, it it seems to be uh, gelling with more and more people, I think partly because of the escalation of tyranny worldwide. It's not an accident, and we all know that here, but for those that are now waking up, uh, it's new to them and people don't like having their rights stood on and crushed and perhaps perhaps this tyranny was really uh, overdue because people worldwide really are asleep and maybe that's also because of the uh, disposition they've been put in by the mind control forces around the world you know um, we all uh, are conditioned into a way of thinking and into a reality which is actually opposite to what the truth is and maybe it just took this um this scandemic around the world to wake uh, a large percentage of the population up and now they want to exercise their rights which is i guess summed up in this sovereignty word but if you look at the legal definition of sovereign we are not sovereign because it, just get any legal dictionary, you'll find, you know, that y- you know, you must have a kingdom and a castle and a standing army and your own monetary system and, and a population that you're in control of to look after. Well, how are we sovereign? The, the correct word, sovereign, is actually an underlord, which is uh, on par with maybe the, the queen or king. Whereas sovereign, and you won't find that word in any dictionary any longer. Is an overlord and that's what we are we're on par with the Messiah and we have incredible energy and we have incredible uh, abilities to direct our own lives and that's what people need to learn to do is reconnect reconnect to the ether reconnect to the uh, hemisphere if you like look inside and uh, that's where our real power is. <clears throat> not not follow, following a guru or, you know, following others because that's their life, that's their reality and, you know, we all have our own realities to build. Personally, I don't want people dictating to me uh, how to live my life. I'm living my life and uh, I choose to live it the way I choose to live it. I'm a little bit... Uh, the other way to most people because um, you know I've been very proactive just like all four uh, all three of you but I've kept a low profile I've seen um, people even from when I was young that you know get taken out and I guess that's part of my background you know my, my ancestors fought in two wars and uh, you know most of those families are gone because not, there weren't too many German survivors <laughs> you know? but I understand how How the world works. I also understand how some of those leaders got to power. I've met some interesting characters in my time. So, you know, I've only got one neck and I I try to preserve it and I know how to do it. I walk with my eyes behind my head. Uh, You know, I've met some very interesting characters like most of you, and one of them was a borderline mafia. He did jobs for the mafia worldwide, and I saw how he operated. I saw how he spoke very humbly with people. They had a code of conduct, which ordinary folk don't even have. And, you know, I use those um, techniques and talents, I guess, uh, in my own life. I tried to do the best I can. None of us are perfect, of course. But um, I, I find that I can get a lot more done when, when one has a very low profile and keeps out of the limelight. It's only because I met Tom and Tom wanted to do a podcast and I thought, well, look, maybe it is time to stick my head up a little bit because if you do get known, sometimes that's your best protection. I've been targeted, like most of you, a, a number of times and been locked up for nothing, for stepping for standing up for rights, for people's rights, not necessarily my rights, but for helping others. So... I think sometimes your best protection is to maybe put your head up and, and, and become a little bit more known. I think I've already said enough. So, um, does that answer (laughs) the sovereign question? I probably went on a tangent, but. (laughs) (laughs) But No, that's that's
1: excellent. And, and, uh, you know, sovereign is used in certain circles inappropriately. I'm very aware of that. And I'm delighted that you started off the conversation with, uh, emphasizing what we believe here, that it's all about your inner game. And even if you learn some of those paperwork games out there and, uh, you know, um, uh, process circles, uh, you know, it's, it's all about what's going on inside, not about your paperwork so much. Now, uh, Tom and yourself have uh, been working together for a little bit. Tom, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to over there?
3: Yeah, we don't work together. I just learned uh, you from so- over the last couple of years is because, uh, you know, I'd learned a lot about this, you know, what you call true law or natural law or whatever for quite a while. But there were a number of things that I'd learned that if I hadn't tried to apply it, I would have got, uh, you know, I would have got rolled. or I would have got thrown, thrown in the lockup or something. And it's only since I learned from Mark that I really learned what is uh you know proven and tested and not what was just theory which is what a lot you guys know a lot of the theory gets thrown around the internet and between people running workshops and things that like mark said haven't really done it for real and it's all it all sounds really good and that's the problem is a lot of people like any industry you know people if they sound convincing or what they say sounds good then it's easy to sell it but it's a lot harder to really uh you know get people into something that is You know, truthful or reality. It's almost like um, the more you can hype or market something, the easier it is to sell. But truth doesn't sell as well, and it's a lot harder to actually get people because it's a lot of work. You know, I think I think the whole the sovereign word too. It's kind of like enlightenment. Like for a lot of people, it's a it's a mind construct. They just have this idea of what it is without really understanding what it truly is. And also, it's just the danger is when it's all in the head and it's not an embodiment. So if you have an embodied knowing that you are born with rights, for example, then when you know that, you don't need words like sovereign. It's only you need that word if you... That's why it's triggering, I think, to people because uh, they need it as a word, as a construct or as something to to stand on because they don't yet stand on their own two feet. And once you can do that, you don't need the words. You know, same as enlightenment or anything like that, you don't need it once you actually have the real thing. So I think that's why it's triggering for people.
1: Yeah, and there's such a, a growing truth uh, seeker movement out there that, um, you know, where people do use that terminology quite a bit. So the media, of course, has to prioritize it in every which way they can. So, um, well, gentlemen, uh, any, any areas that you would like to go in in particular? I have, a, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of questions or roads we could go down, but um, uh, anything you'd like to start off with? from either one of you?
2: Well, I'd like to mention, I guess, that uh, I've been at doing workshops and doing um, public presentations since 99, and much more of my work in recent years has been in in helping people correct some of the wrong processes or some of the things that are commonly taught that aren't actually technically either correct or, maybe not the optimum at doing things. I mean, the word sovereign is one, and a lot of people um, are familiar with that word and relate to it, but there are people who talk about things like uh, flesh and blood. You know, I'm a flesh and blood man, and the judges have a big cackle because um, they just think, uh, you know, another incompetent poop sort of thing because flesh and blood only describes a portion of what a man is. And uh, here in um, in Queensland, there was a a judgment. Uh, there, there was a case uh, where a defendant passed away uh, outside of court, but it was a long, protracted proceeding. And when the magistrate summed up, he said, despite the defendant passing away, it did not change the uh, disposition of his persona. And when all the uh, people who were attending that hearing went outside and were interviewed by the media. The media was saying to them, "You know, the judge said that the the party didn't uh, change his status. You know, what do you think of that?" And everyone's saying, "What an idiot this magistrate was!" What he was trying to tell people was that the the body, the flesh and blood, is not representative of the living, and that's where there's a lot of confusion in this uh, patriot sovereign movement. The real uh, party of interest is really the spirit that is within the body or within the tabernacle if you look at the scriptures and the, the body only describes part of a being but when one passes away you actually see that the body was dead it's the spirit that is living or another perception and I'm <laughs> I, I don't like to step on toes I try not to step on toes but Part of, I think, correcting thought, you, you inadvertently do sometimes step on toes, but it certainly isn't my intent to do that. You know, there are three areas of jurisprudence or law, if you like. <clears throat> Any good book on contract will go into those three areas. So, And you can buy these books, second-hand bookstores, for a dollar or five. No one wants legal, legal books, so they, people throw them out, but they are valuable that you have what's called statute or legislation, then you have what's called the common law, and there's constantly argument in these sovereign or patriot groups which one is superior. Well, to be honest, neither is superior. They're two different jurisdictions, and they can't mix. And the third area, common law is essentially case law precedent. It started in the UK when... Uh, communities expanded and the country needed to harmonise different traditions between communities. So they had courts they created with judges and juries and when they made a a judgement that stood as a case law but it only had very narrow application and therefore later legislation or statute was created that could bring about an act uh, through Parliament that had much wider application and was less expensive. But very clearly there is a third area which was uh, brought about in about 1602 out of a case uh, in the UK. And I have that case which they call the rules of equity. And equity, if you look up a legal dictionary, is what's fair, what's just, what's equitable, being a part of contract. And uh, in the Commonwealth countries, we have what's called every country other than Australia has what's called a Judicature Act. And there's a section within it that says to the extent of any controversy in a matter uh, between the rules of equity and the rules of the common law, the rules of equity prevail. So there is very clearly one jurisdiction that is above the rest and we operate within the rules of equity. Now, you can get remedies in both statute or legislation and in the common law, but there are more remedies within the rules of equity. And if you stick to that and you do things properly and correctly, you will become unbeatable because they can't, they can't leapfrog you into another jurisdiction when the system operates from a position or disposition of lack or lack of integrity. If you remain in the highest jurisdiction with integrity, you can't lose. And, you know, we teach those things and we teach the processes so that people can put themselves in a position where they can exercise their rights and they can protect those rights. A better word is liberty, really. Or the scripture has the most superior word is called dominion. We have dominion over the earth. And in other words, as long as you harm no one and you love your neighbour, you have the right, you have the liberty, you have the dominion to do anything you choose. And the public, the people within the public recognise that. If you know how to speak in court, for example, or, or, or before uh, public offices, whether it's at a council meeting, whether it's before police officers, whether it's before state or federal officials, and you know how to speak properly uh, and stop making claims, which are offers or presentments, all the same thing. If you stop making claims and control the conversation by asking the questions and answering questions with questions, then you will control and you will win every time and we can give you case after case after case until you go home and are sick of hearing it, of wins. We don't focus on theory, as Tom mentioned. There's enough gurus out there, and I don't class myself as one because I'm very low profile, I like, I'm very private, and, you know, ego doesn't mix with success, I can tell you now. You know, people have got to learn to ditch the egos. <clears throat> but if, you, if people learn the right processes, you'll get the results you want. Uh, you know, we've, we've created a website to leverage my time. I've been overwhelmed for 21 years. It's led to a condition that I've got at the moment. It helped contribute to the condition. But the, um, the website hopefully will free my time so I can now do things at a national level. And we're working behind the scenes at a national level because it's time this country was taken back and in control by the people. And you know we're we're going to be stepping on some very big toes because, as all of you know, the world is a controlled environment. Everything is controlled, whether it's the media, whether it's the education system, whether it's the armed forces, the political, the the. Um, Religious order, all were created by the same people. I'm not saying there isn't a creator, by the way, because I, I'm spiritual, but I'm not. I'm not religious. That's man-made propaganda. So, I think I've said enough. Um, maybe someone else might want yeah. to ask questions or
1: direct. No, very, very good. Uh, excellent. So, uh, either Tom or Mark. Um, you know, It's beyond the scope of a talk like this to get into the intricacies of what something like equity would look like in real life. But let's just make believe we get an offer in the mail from, say, a taxation agency or some such thing or a traffic ticket. Um, What would that look like to the average person? We have a very educated audience here and some people that are very advanced in this kind of awareness. And then other people, it's a, a little more vague. So can you help them out a bit?
2: yeah absolutely um, for the new people, this might seem new, but for those who've been around a bit, you know there's a corporate uh, veil that has been put over all the land around the world you know the the uh, authorities operate under admiralty now, not the common law and because everything has been corporatized since the second world War, the last hiccup they they ran over was was Germany, of course, because uh, you know, they stood up and, and tried to uh, knock the, rock, the Rothschilds off the planet. But uh, you don't do that. And I hope I'm not stepping on toes again here. But because you know, I find that a lot of Americans uh, have been conditioned into a way of thinking, uh, just like Australians have, by the way. I'm not having to go at any people, by the way. But there's a difference, you know, there's always two stories and if you're a winner of a war, you can create the the outcome. You know, you create the perception of what actually transpired. But Rothschilds came very, very close to being wiped out and had they been wiped out, the world would be free today. But since they killed the pig and, you know, the dictator and, you know, we're all free today, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, Sorry, I got off track a little bit. Um, Equity, because there's a corporate veil over the earth, um, the jurisdiction that they recognise, of course, is corporate or legislation. They don't recognise common law. They'll tell you that. Don't bring that garbage into my court quite often, not in every court. America has a little bit more integrity than the Australian courts. Australia is a complete dictatorship. But anyway, that's another story. But when you see a, what do I call a presentment, for example, <clears throat> a statement of account or a notice, we get rates notices here or notices to appear or other notices with an amount owing, that is simply an offer. Uh, in the early days, back in 99, when we saw these uh, statements of account, you know, We wanted to exert our rights, right? So we would say, oh, there's no man's signature on here. This is a piece of rubbish. You know, scroll it up and straighten the bin somewhere and then you'd get a a second notice, a reminder notice. Same thing, no wet ink signature, you know, all that redneck stuff. And then the final notice and then it'd go to court and you'd lose by default because if you don't uh, answer or object to a statement of account or a notice or any communication, it is deemed that you assent to it. You know, there's consent, which is a knowledgeable or um, constructive agreement, or there's assent where uh, through silence, when one has a duty to answer or reply but elects not to, then assent becomes an agreement by default. So on the third notice, if you haven't uh, argued it or objected to it or replied to it, it's taken as a default judgment in the private where you have agreed with the terms of the offer. This is all under contractual principles. So if it then proceeds to court because you're in commercial default, then the court will ratify that private judgment and make a public judgment against you. There might be a little bit of a show, you know, you didn't do that and why didn't you do it? Then and you, and you go into an argument, I don't got to do this, for example. A fellow got a, a notice from the tax office that he was no longer required to submit his returns each year. So he didn't for a few years. It ended up in court because he got a notice saying he had to submit it again afterwards. Anyway, he, he elected not to do that. So after three notices, went to court and the judge said, did you put the notice in? He said, no, I don't have to. I've got a letter here. No, no, I don't don't, don't want to hear that. Did you put a, a, your returns in? No, because for the third and final time, here it comes again, three times. Remember how how often... Was Peter tested before the cock crowed? Three times, that's where it comes from, folks. Everything in the public is a mirror image of the private. You either serve Mammon, the government, or you serve a creator. They're the options, there's no middle ground. You you get to choose. Anyway, judge ruled against him, boom because he didn't reply to the three notices. So it's very important that when you're made an offer, you either object because you don't have to accept or you do an acceptance. So in the public world, when you see an account, it is simply an offer. Why is it an offer? Well, in every, well, I don't say country anymore because they're all corporations now. You know, United States of America is a corporation, 1871 when it took over. So if it's a corporation, there must be, firstly, a constitution. You've got that United States constitution. There are multiple, by the way. So does the Commonwealth of Australia. So does every corporation has a constitution. That's the governing law. But, however, that's only the second principle principle. piece of legislation or act of the corporation. The principal act of the corporation is what's called the Bills of Exchange Act. Now, the American one was uh, incorporated in their uniform commercial code as Division Three. Formerly, they had their own Bills of Exchange Act, but it's the Bills of Exchange Act that Uh, regulates commerce in every corporation. So uh, somewhere within your um, Division 3 there, there is a section that relates to the signature. I think it was 3-114 from memory. I haven't haven't looked at that for some time. But in our own one... (coughs) uh, We have uh, the Australian Bill of Exchange Act 1909 at Section 97, Part 2. It says that the corporate seal is its signature. And I guess if you printed the statement of account off the internet for about one microsecond, that seal was wet. Do you see where I'm coming from? So the seal is its signature. The signature was always on that document. We were in the wrong jurisdiction. We were thinking we are in the common law, the substance world, when they're in the fiction, which is commerce or the corporate realm, the corporate jurisdiction. And they only recognize the corporate jurisdiction. Now, knowing that it has a seal on there does that enable you or permit you to do as the acceptor? It allows you to com- accept firstly that offer and complete it. And during the course of the completion, do you have the ability to change the terms and conditions of the offer and negotiate it? Absolutely. And we've done this with court orders and with some fabulous little results. We have a lot of fun with this stuff because the terms usually are against the uh, defendant. So we change the terms and we put all in the favor of the defendant. And uh, we might have to uh, add some other pages because there might be say four orders and if they're in separate pages, we sneak another page in between and we glue them all together to make it one document, which is one contract, but it must be accompanied with consideration to form a contract because section 32, part one of ours says, and you'll have it in yours as well. It's universal. All made from the same area in London many years ago, that you must provide consideration any amount sufficient to support a simple contract. And the first round number is what? One buck a dollar. Remember the old movies, uh, Westerns, you know, I'll give you, give you a dollar. You, you take that business or that company and, you know, get them out of my hair and give me a buck. And, you know, they know these things like, uh, Here in Australia, uh, Chrysler moved out of Australia in 1980. They sold their operations, all their warehouses, their factories, their lands for what? A buck. Tiger Air moved out and sold out to Virgin only two or three years ago. For a buck. I wish I'd have known I would have offered them two. You know what I'm saying? Everything is contractual. And the thing about contract or rules of equity which is part of contract because when two parties meet and want to conduct business one wants to sell these wares or services the other wants them yeah they haggle but eventually there's a, a an equilibrium where they're both happy to contract so it is equitable that's why the rules of equity prevails and there is no legislation act or statute or code on earth that can trespass a contract or override a contract. Now, knowing that should make you impenetrable. And I tell you what, we clean up all our adversaries over here. And this is a hard country to do business in. It is a dictatorship the World headquarters, world Order Headquarters is in Canberra, believe it or not. But if we get results here, man, if I immigrate, I think we're going to clean up all those other countries. And if we had an army of people who learn this stuff and can contract with all those that are in the public who are trying to create tyranny, even acts that are legislated find the source of the original act and go to contract on it and take control of it. I don't care if it's in the fiction language, who cares? They recognize it. So if you now change the terms of the acts to be more favorable, put some consideration with it, maybe a promissory note or a bill of exchange. We do $1 bill of exchanges over here because it's, it's enough consideration. It's, to support a simple contract, and then deliver it within 72 hours of having received it. It's the old 72 hour rule. You know, in contract, under contract, you've got 72 hours um, after signing. If if you wish to annul that contract or rescind it, you have 72 hours to do it. You know, you go and buy a property, put 10% down, If you ask for your money back within 72 hours, they rip up the contract and you start again. So after 72 hours, it's too late. And I had that happen to me as a young fellow. I learned the lesson. I went back on day two. I think it was a Saturday. And I said, I'm not going ahead with it. And they said, that's fine. We'll give you your money back. But the agent's not here. Come back on Monday. I went back Monday and they said, ha ha, too late. I learned my lesson from an early age. So contract prevails. And anyone in business knows contract. The world operates within contract. So knowing some of these simple principles, you know, you can become very, very powerful. You know, you don't need to argue anymore. Sorry.
1: It's pretty obvious on its face, everything you're... um talking about. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when they listen to this, it, it sounds uh, very unfamiliar and, and actually daunting. Now, I'm familiar with every bit that you're talking about and even tested out a lot of these processes myself in the exact manner that you speak on. So, what do you say, either one of you gentlemen, to people out there that, you know, are, are just dipping their toes in the water for the first time, or they've got an, act, uh, an active process. Um, you know, I learned what I learned over a lot of years. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes, got in a little trouble along the way, uh, came out the other end, fortunately. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's my, here's so, my um, scar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Now, Now, here's a discussion that we have, and I agree with everything you're saying and understand it, it seems obvious that the powers that shouldn't be have really stepped up their timetables because they know that too much truth is getting out, especially what you're talking about. And that they've uh, they've got to close the deal right now. And so they're acting in desperation, getting more tyrannical. So for the average person just starting off on this, do you think they even have time to learn this?
2: That's a... <clears throat> very very good question and you know I've been at this 21 years and that's a long time and you don't have 21 years. however what I found from a very early age too I, I learned from some very influential people you may remember a man called Jimmy Jimmy Rome he was a speaker I don't know anyway. He said uh, one of the things, he, he said many things, but the biggest obstruction in your life is yourself, your own closed mind. I took that, he meant he was talking to me. So I kept an open mind and believe me, when the mind's open, you learn fast. But coming back to the time, another thing I learned from a very early age is 90% of everything in life, anything in life, is bull dust is opinion sorry i shouldn't say bull dust is opinion and at law opinion doesn't cut it you got to stick to the facts so we when i do my webinars when i do my workshops all over the country or overseas i stick to the facts and <clears throat> you know i'm the one that tested things when it comes in from canada or america or new zealand or the uk I test it out and I find that 90% doesn't work and then I get scars, I get beaten up. These days it doesn't happen so much because when it comes in from everywhere, I can already smell whether it works or not. You know, I know, it's inherent. You, You learn to ride the bike well. But what I'm saying is people don't need 21 years to learn what I've learned. They might need a good six months or a year with a committed five hours a week, maybe. And if you go to our website, we have already 30 different webinars. They're about an hour and a half each on different subject matters. We've got another about 15 to do. Tonight's another one. I do two a month because it all takes time. Tonight's one is all the things you shouldn't be doing because people... You know, they cock up all the time. You know, you tell them, please make sure you have the right date or don't capitalise everything or, you know, you, you tell them what to do and they mess up and they still do it. So tonight's one is going to be about all the things not to do, you know, and hopefully they get it right then, you know. There's a different subject matter each time. And if people go through the webinars, which are all free, by the way, once you become a member, it's 69 US, but for the year's membership. But there is millions of dollars worth of intellectual property on there. You know, it's mind-boggling. And it will be for new people because they won't have heard much of this stuff before. But we're trying to make it easy for people so that they can step up and learn in their living room, they don't have to go anywhere, and learn how to control their destiny. And watching these webinars, and then putting it into practice, every webinar has a set of notes or modules, we call them, the the, the support notes, that the, the, the documents are there that they can use, they're in Word doc format, so you can alter them to put your particulars in there and then just use the process. We're just trying to make this system. It's a, it's a universal system. There is a little bit of legislation pertaining to Australia, but every country has its equivalent. But the processes are mostly to do with the rules of equity. That is universal and applicable worldwide. So... If People learn this stuff. Our intent was to get an army of people worldwide to put this stuff into practice and to overturn the tyranny. But it's still taking time. You know, there's a learning curve. There's a lag time, of course. But the biggest thing people need to do when they get started is to ditch the fear. There is nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing. If you're in the right jurisdiction, you know, we use all sorts of instruments to discharge debts except reserve bank notes because you don't need them. People don't have sufficient federal reserve bank notes. Ours are called reserve bank notes. But the highest authority in the corporation, the Bills of Exchange Act, which is your Division Three of the UCC, says he can use bills of exchange, promissory notes, money orders, cheques, which are only subsets of bills of exchange, and that you're a banker. I've had judges yell at me many times, by the way, but a couple of times they say, you think you're a banker, don't you? I say, well, Your Honour, with respect, am I not an uh, uh, um, unintended, Am I not an unincorporated body of persons involved in the business of banking? And they shut up after that because they realise, hang on, he knows his stuff. Because in our one, section four, which is a page on terminology for the monetary system, for commerce, it says a banker is an incorporated or unincorporated body of persons involved in the business of banking. Now, if you get your head around about 20 of these uh, sections within the Bill of Exchange Act, you're gonna become Superman or Superwoman, and they can't get around you. The number of times I've been in court and they said, you think a dollar can take care of $2 million debt? And the whole room erupts in laughter, You you have to be there to see it because it is really comical. But I hold my composure. I don't give a hoot what they throw at me because it's only an offer. You know, you think you can pay a dollar. That's just an offer. Every statement is an offer and you get to choose whether you accept it or not. So I'll come back to him and say, sir, with respect, maybe I can or maybe I can't. So am I arguing? No. What I'm saying is, sir, I guess you haven't read the Bill of Exchange Act, have you? Where it says it's Section 32, Part 1, that one can use any amount to support a, a simple contract. And, sir, with respect, is $1 part of an amount of any? And he'll shut up. And by the way, Section 14, Part 1 says that I'm required to pay some certain. And did I not disclose on the statement of account which amount was the sum certain, which was the $1? Some certain means in writing. Yours is Section Division 3, 114, where it says an amount in writing, handwriting, is superior to an amount in print which is superior to an amount in figures. Now, when you see a statement of account, is it in figures or is it in words? Normally. It's always in figures. You look at a statement of account, that is a sum payable, but that's not the sum you have to pay. The sum you have to pay is the sum certain. And you get to choose what the sum certain is. So if you want to downgrade a huge account, all you have to do is express a second sum. Our bill of exchange is a little bit different to the rest of the world. It's a very controlled society in Australia. However, ours does say where two sums are expressed on a statement, the lesser or the least as the... uh, as the uh, case may be, is sufficient to discharge the whole, whereas everybody else's around the world says an amount in writing is superior to an amount in print, which is superior to an amount in figures. But ours was sufficient because it said where two sums are expressed, the lesser or the least, as the case may be, sufficient to discharge the whole. Section 8, part 5 says all these things, if they're omitted from the statement, it does not make it invalid. So if there's a second amount missing, does that make it invalid? No. And do you have the right as the acceptor to put a second amount on there and call it the sum certain? Do you see this game evolving, how you can beat them at their own game? And they can't call it a fraud. Because they created it. I didn't create the Bill of Exchange Act. I'm just flipping using it. Mate, there's no reason to fear anymore because you're not breaking any laws. All you've got to know is the process and become free, free of all debt. We teach people how they can firstly discharge all, all their debts so that they can have a surplus every week. And we then teach them how they can leverage it where you can make 100 or 1,000% per annum on your money. You know, it's all there on the website. I'm not trying to promote or anything. I guess I am indirectly anyway. But I'm trying to leverage what I do. If I'm the last man standing on the hill in this country and everyone's been taken out, guess who they're coming for next? (laughs) Moi. So I'm trying to put an army out there to overturn the tyranny before it gets to that stage i have a vested interest so the yeah, best brilliant. way to protect myself is get it out there as fast as i can that's what i'm doing and at a budget yeah, price
1: brilliant you're you're doing a wonderful service uh, to so many people because we all have a stake in this and i think we've all been uh, put to sleep and think that, well, you know, it's really not our say that's for the bureaucrats or the people in court. There's also a bit of a keto, I think, involved too, because whoever creates a liability and, you know, tries to give it to you by making an offer, then if you um, change the terms or don't accept it or or so forth, then they're holding the hot potato. So, uh, you know, there oh, is a uh, little bit also- of a Martial arts involved, I think, and you know, you um, uh, you know, mentioned that the courts are. I mean, really, courts are banks, is what they are, and it would surprise a lot of people here in the states that you know, Article Three of the Constitution is what mandates uh, the proper court structure and system of jurisprudence. But Article Three courts do not exist here anymore. I think there's one left on the third floor of the Federal Building in D.C. And uh, when you go into a court now, it's uniform commercial code. Another thing, um, you know, has nothing to do with the Constitution. That's why the, con- the, the magistrate will throw a hissy fit when you mention a Constitution in a, in a commercial court. Yeah. You know, you mentioned also that we're all about corporations now. And in fact, the entire civil war in the United States was in order to create this corporation by stealth and also they needed to uh, usurp the lands of the South in order to have a, uh, the, the lands of the South put up as a surety for the second phase of a 70 year um, bankruptcy of uh, the US yeah. and bank- uh, the Civil go. War had, uh, I'm sorry, what's that?
2: It was a bank takeover.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and the Civil War had nothing to do with slavery. You know, it had to do with grabbing <laughs> land and and uh, you know getting the corporation in in another level of power and creating a whole citizenship uh, that is corporate citizenship that had nothing to do with freeing the slaves. And it was but also it are- was also when the Masonic lodges
0: were all taken over by the dark forces, because the Masonic Lodges before that were actually completely different from my research too, and a lot of people think Masons are evil, no. It's not, they were just, you know, hiding uh, some basic truth stuff, and then they were co-opted around that time too.
2: Yep, Yeah. So Tom,
0: um,
1: maybe this would be, go ahead, sorry Mark.
2: No, I'm sorry there was that lag time, but when I was growing up, uh, My, my, my biggest admiration was for the, for the land of America because it was the land of the free, you know, and I, I followed the Civil War, I followed the um, um, War of Independence and I, I followed the banking movements and, you know, but as I got older, of course, I saw how uh, <laughs> those people from Russia migrated over to America and took it over, you know. And then they work in with Israel, and uh, you know, the country's yeah. gone, just like every country's gone, you know. And I often yeah. think, look, why, why didn't people wake up back then when someone who was put there, by the way, by the shysters, but he broke away and wanted to destroy that cabal? Why didn't the rest of the world see it and just join him? Uh, you know. Anyway, it's go on, Tom. Sorry to interrupt. For me, it's frustrating. (laughs)
1: So, Mark, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me over the years, uh, because I'm in a health business, they say, well, how did you get into all this legal stuff? What's it got to do with being a doctor? And I tell people it has everything to do with your health. And uh, I know you have a, a large, uh, very successful platform in health and wellness and, and not just uh, legal information. So can you maybe run with that a little bit and, and give us some ideas on how understanding just uh, your standing, your proper jurisdiction in, in the face of all these powers that are trying to uh, take away our birthrights, uh, why that might affect our health in some ways.
2: Oh, that's a big subject area, but you're definitely right. Um, You know, without health, you have nothing. So health comes first above all else. And there are those who say you can't buy health. That's not true. You can buy health, but you better have some good money, you know. I've had three different occasions now, mercury poisoning. My dentist is underground he specialises in mercury removal. I've removed most of it anyway, but I've gone to polish up the last bit. He told me a story, and after two poisonings, you shouldn't be alive. I've had three. But you can detox, but it takes money. And if you don't have money, you're dead. You know, It's, it's all over. But anyway, that's another story. But what I have found is over the course of the last 20 years, I've met many health professionals who've been referred to me because they're targeted by our cabal. You know, we have the Therapeutic Goods Association, we have uh, ASIC, we have... And, you know, we go after their offices and they run for the hills and and then we have another private uh, individual in the health industry that survives and continues to do business. But we transition them into the private realm you know, uh, if they have a company, they deregister. You know, we put them in a foundation. Uh, as long as they don't market uh, in terms of on the internet or in newspapers, they can continue and they're left alone. And because of, I have uh, some real leaders in the health industry here in this country around me, they have all contributed to help keeping me alive because I don't have a monopoly on. Me. Knowledge or information, yes, I have an agricultural science degree, and i know I've, I've used very high tech foods to keep working one hundred hour weeks for twenty one years It kill most people, but that 's not enough and, and when you 're fighting something you don 't know you 've got to get help, so I just make calls and uh, get heads together and we find a solution so you know we 've yeah. got to keep we've got to keep our health professionals in the game or we're finished because if the drug companies take over, the planet is finished. So I don't know if that sums up sort of in a nutshell, but.
0: Well, that's what we're seeing right now, by the way. It's the World War III right now. It's us versus them and (laughs) versus the pharma cartel. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I was wondering if Tom could uh, just address the link between well, Tom, Tom's and, uh, Tom's gone right now. He'll be back in five minutes.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry yeah. about that. But um, you know, I always explain to people that well, energetically, if you do not know how to draw your line in the sand and you let you know these agencies or bureaucrats or whoever have their way with you, and you just feel like a victim, then you know, in homeopathy we have a, a term we call miasm and a, a miasm is that energetic predisposition. Okay. Uh, and, and so yeah. if, you do, if you don't think you have the right to set boundaries for yourself in these outer powers at be, then what's going to happen, that will translate into your biology where normal cellular and microbial events will also have their way with you because you have literally not learned how to exercise your will force now that might sound far-fetched to a lot of people but if you understand you know the business of, of what we talk about here waveform mechanics you can't serve two masters and if you're conducting yourself in one way on one level then it has to translate on every level so I would, yep. that's why I would tell, you know, clients that I would work with, uh, you know, they're seeing me professionally. It's like, well, it has everything to do with your health.
2: And your mind, your thinking, <clears throat> you are who you think you are. If you think that you're going to fail, you are going to fail. If you think you're going to be the superstar, you'll step up and you will be that superstar. It's all to do with this and it As you said, it affects your health. You know, it filters through at every level. Absolutely.
1: It is your health. Absolutely.
2: I see it around me all the time. People who feel like they're helpless, their health is not good. uh, They can't achieve any outcomes that they want to achieve. And it's all because of here. That has to change first.
1: And like you're doing right now, you're going through a chelation process of getting mercury accumulation out of your body. And not only is that going to help your biology, but it's going to help your thinking. Uh, Your neurology is not going to be going through a, a rapid degeneration process because you've got accumulated neurotoxins. And, you know, somebody and all of us are in the same boat these days. We're breathing this stuff. They're spraying us like bugs. And then, you know, (laughs) people wonder why they can't think a coherent thought or sit down and actually read a book and, you know, uh, maintain an attention span uh, or even have the desire to learn anything in the first place. So uh, taking care of your body is important.
2: It's the most important thing between your thinking and taking care of your body. There isn't really anything close to those. You can have all the money in the world. If you don't look after your thinking and your health, you have an early grave. Simple. So
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah, and I would say I would say your mind, you know, directs everything. We we talk a lot in this show about this being a mental universe. And it's interesting, right, how the way you think is not just uh, you know your your health but also what you were saying earlier mark about the actual law of who you are and doesn't the body it's interesting yeah the body's important but in the end it's like your mind which directs the body and everything seems to be the superseding you know most important thing and it's who gave us that mind and you know the creator or we are the creator and it, it always turns into a spiritual thing because the mind and consciousness is greater than this meat sack so I had a question in terms of law. You say it goes to the Bible, and something I've been studying more is this idea of ecclesiastic law. Does does that supersede equity law? Uh, and where does that come from? Uh, and how essentially what is the oldest law of the land? And do we still can we still use that? Does that make sense?
2: Oh, uh, they. They're really good questions, and I wasn't there from the beginning, but <clears throat> I would say that uh, the first law was still contract. Even, and, and I'm not saying Adam and Eve were the first people either, but I'm just using it as an example, that even Adam and Eve had a contract to procreate. You can't just, you know, you can't force your will. So there was an agreement so that was from the beginning. Um, the thing that is, is overriding everything is what's called natural law. And again, that comes from the creator, whatever you feel the creator is, it could be a civilization. You know, it, it is proven by the scientific community that we are created because we have certain genes um, in our bodies that apparently have no other um are not found in any other form of organism they've mapped the genetic code or or most at least most of the code of the human um chromosomes Um, and apparently there are some that are not found in other organisms so if we were if we evolved then where is the predecessor so The science community is fully aware of that, but they don't want to announce it because then they have to take responsibility for some of their poor actions. And, of course, no-one wants to be accountable, you know. So the creators uh, created natural law and therefore everything else comes under. In fact, the first, the highest-ranking man-made law apparently now is international law, which is summed up in the Uniform Commercial Code. And uh, you over in America have two case law, and I've got both of them, not at my fingertips at the moment, but one is Cruden versus Neal of 1796, where um, the the judge, um, Supreme Court, uh, said that uh, man is not subject to any law other than natural law. Now, when he says man, he, of course, means mankind, But natural law is beyond man's control. The second component of that summation was that man is not um, subject to any man-made institution without his consent. I've still got some beetroot juice on my finger. (laughs) Anyway, don't worry about that. But, yeah, man is not subject to any man-made institution without his consent. So, again... Knowing that consent is part of contract, uh, if one is affronted, even the newest viewer, if they wanted to not to be terrorised, you only have to simply say, I don't consent. Yeah, it's...
0: To it's do
2: that, that, I don't consent to it. That's the... You must express you don't consent to something. The second component is you you must ask them for their source of authority. And you'll win every time when you have that source of authority.
0: We're losing Mark a little bit here. Um, We knew he had kind of had spotty service, but he's saying source of authority we'll see if he can come back in right bear
1: yeah well fortunately my internet's a little better so (laughs) far than it was last time you lost me last time and uh we're talking to andrew kaufman too is a great talk and we're just getting on a roll there and and uh i got knocked off so uh we knew going into this that um that mark had some sketchy service uh so (laughs) hey tom how you doing there
3: Hey, good. I was just in a really noisy spot. I just, I always love hearing Mark talk. So I was, uh, I was just sitting, uh, I was, I was learning a lot. It's like every time I hear it, I pick up something new, you know? He's incredible.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, Hey, we've got some great scenery out there. So, uh, good. I, I would, uh, prefer just doing these outside. In fact, when we did that Instagram the other day with Troy Casey, uh, I was out in, uh, in the, in the field there where we grow stuff. So that's kind of fun. I was thinking, oh, we had to do this all the time. Anyway, um, Tom, you know, we're talking a lot about consent and all that kind of thing. And I know you travel in some circles that are concerned about, uh, you know, 5g and forced vaccines and things that are going on these days. So, uh, what do we do when these, um, folks come in and just wholesale subject us to these things? Uh, where it seems pretty impossible to give or not give our consent in the first place. So is there any remedy that, uh, w- with what we're talking about as far as dealing with that sort of subject matter?
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we here where we are around Byron. So we've got a town called Mullumbimby and we've one of the only towns, I think, in the world that has successfully rejected the, um, the you know, implementation of 5G. So that's been done through people power first of all by we've been protesting we've had people guarding the towel that they want to upgrade but what we've also done is been doing cease and desist notices. So we have the main telcos on notice uh, from a cease and desist notice and uh, and the uh, conditional acceptance and non consent so we've used we've used a few different ways. Uh, But mostly it comes down to like a notice by itself is all well and good. But if the intention behind it isn't strong, it kind of doesn't do its work. Like the piece of paper doesn't do the work. It's the people behind it. So you first of all need to know what's in a notice. If you're going to write one, you need to know what's in it. So you know how to stand your ground or how Mark calls it is hold your position. Hold your position means that if somebody comes up back and says, oh, well, we don't accept that or we don't, you know, if you don't know what you're doing with it you'll go oh damn it they didn't accept my notice but if you really understand the principles of equity and commerce then you know that either they're testing you or they are saying that they accepted it but it's just the wording they use made you think that they're not you know what I mean so it's the intention behind it has to be strong not only does it have to be you know you have to understand it but it does have to be strong enough that Your intention behind the notice is what pushes it through, you know, energetically. I know you guys talk about that sort of thing a lot anyway, is that if you resonate the right frequency, that does the work. And if you just think that you know what you're doing, but you really have no idea or you have no intention to stand behind it, then quite often those notices will get lost in the mail, so to speak. You know, it'll get thrown away, but you won't back it up because you didn't really have the fortitude Uh, going into it, you know, to really put behind what you've written in the notice. So that's one of the reasons we've been successful is that everybody is very sure on what they want to do and very, um, you know, very staunchly stands behind it. So that's from a legal point of view, the cease and desist notices, non-consent and conditional acceptance that plays its role. However, it's the community here that really does the work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you said the magic word there with resonance Uh people don't understand that's a very real science. And in our work, you know, we do a lot with uh, affecting people's health and their living spaces with uh, creating a resonance that is conducive, you know, to what you're trying to achieve. So if you are putting out a message, you could be in a court proceeding, uh, you know, you could be dealing with uh matters of uh, 5g and things you don't agree with but if you create a resonance of what you do want and stick with that what you're literally doing is creating electrical vectors that are going to ping similar resonant fields which uh, you know people used to call that the lack uh, the law of attraction but it's really a matter of resonance and now you stay in that resonance you hold your ground as you say And not only is it going to manifest the reality you want, but it's going to draw to you, connect you with other people in similar resonant fields. And that's what's happening on the planet right now and why we're all finding each other is because people are really in the wake-up process saying, no, I really don't want this. It's not my vision for the world. And in the process, we're also getting a lot more clear about what we do want and that is all getting us to circle the wagons at this point, so to speak. So I think if we understand the science behind it, uh, just stop using uh, vague terminologies that sound new agey, like, um, uh, you know, energy and, and so forth, and really understand, no, this is real science. And if I use my concentrated faculties, my creative uh you know uh attributes in order to do that then i will create what i want i will attract to me the people that want the same thing and we'll reach that critical mass a lot quicker and i know you're doing a lot of wonderful work in achieving that exact thing
3: yeah you're right and it is exactly that you have to first of all be aware of what it is that you want to create before you can create it. And then in the doing of that, then you are bringing it into, it's like, um, you know, in particle physics, there's no such thing as like one particle affecting another just randomly. It's like, it's a symbiotic process. It's a magnetism. So um, to the point where people get upset when I say that there's no such thing as um, an innocent victim, because you can't not pull to you the events that are pulled to you it's how particle physics, you know, operates. So, um, but, you know, b- from the positive aspect, it's exactly that it's, it's determining having an awareness of what's going on and of yourself and becoming very self-aware so that you know what it is that you're putting out and then what you put out, you get back, you know? So, um, and with the resonance thing as well, it's one of those, I'm doing a lot of talking these days. It's not usually my thing. I know with you bear as well, it's like, you'd rather be, just in your, on, a, on a farm or out surfing and not really doing the talking, but there's a kind of a time and a place for everything, which is why I'm doing this. But I make a point of telling people that if I'm at a rally or something and they want me to speak, it's like my words can carry 30 or 40 meters. If I've got a PA and a microphone, they can carry a couple of hundred meters. But that's it. Beyond that, there's no resonance with the voice. But from what, what resonates from here is limitless. It literally goes across the entire plane. So it's really important to get very strong and unified within your own self and your own field so that you can have that limitless reach more so than just speaking a lot and using, like you said, using the words, which help. It's part of it, but it's not definitely not the full picture and and it's uh, nowhere near as powerful as the resonance from the individual, you know, unifying mind, body, soul and spirit and everything else to kind of create this reality that, I mean, we've all played a part in creating what we experience now. So um, we've got to, first of all, take a bit of responsibility for that, but then decide what it is we're creating. And I think that's the big part of what we're doing now is getting enough people together. The work that's happening at the moment is getting enough people together to co-create this reality that we want to experience.
1: Yeah. And uh, when uh, you were away for a few minutes here, uh, we were talking with Mark about just the importance of health, and I know you're equally involved as far as, uh, oh, okay, good, good, good. So anything you can add to that and how we kind of mesh all this legal and health and, you know, all the related topics together?
3: Yeah, well, like you said, it's the the same thing. It's becoming becoming self-responsible, self-aware, and it's just becoming uh, standing on your own two feet is what I call it. So the law and the health go hand in hand in that respect. You're no longer giving your power away to a doctor or a guru and no longer are you giving your power away to a government or a religion or a legal system. So it's really the same thing. It's all about becoming a self-realized being and a self-realized being takes responsibility for themselves. They choose how they think, how they sleep, how they eat, how they drink. They also choose um, their the terms of their interactions, and that 's where the commerce comes in so the health and the and the law I think go hand in hand
1: mm-hmm. and it really is a spiritual issue, and you know when we say spiritual, I think these days we can transcend that um, vulgar um, Oh connotation of religion and and like Mark very aptly says, you know it's just another propaganda system that was uh, purposely uh, intended to deviate us from true spiritual, but with spiritual, all we 're talking about is natural law we're talking about the law of resonance we're talking about, as Mark said initially, also that we're tapping into our unlimited creative abilities. And of course, what they're trying to do in certain circles is get us to embrace victimhood and people that are not maybe spiritually ready to take accountability or responsibility for their lives or are afraid to do so, uh, you know, embrace uh, the victim class and attack people that are just saying, hey, just leave me alone.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that victim mentality, it's like uh, the way I usually put it is that we live in a society that is mostly sort of 12 year olds in adult bodies. So the self responsibility isn't there. And the blame is there. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the, it's the media's fault. It's everybody's fault, barred the individual. So their health, their, um, their freedom and everything all goes hand in hand. And until a person takes that responsibility responsibility for what they create moment to moment. And that takes the responsibility to create their life that they want. Then they're always giving the blame, giving the responsibility away and they're always a victim. So it's, it's an opposite of being empowered man or woman is being the victim. There's kind of like that polarity, their opposite ends of a spectrum. So it's a matter of finding some balance and then just kind of dissolving that, that, um, that spectrum so that you sit right in the middle in that resonance spot where it's your, um, yeah, that's, I guess, can't put any differently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I bring up something that connects this too? And I want to throw it to all you guys because I think it's super trippy and interesting. And we brought it up with Andrew Kaufman last week, which relates to health and sovereignty, which this whole vaccine agenda and manipulating with nanotechnology and the DNA stuff where the idea is with transhumanism, where they could literally hijack our biology to the point where we no longer are living men or women, where we are a patented... Subject to the corporation, and we lose a natural law uh, ability. If you're understanding, I don't know if I'm totally explaining it right, but it's really interesting idea. And so that's why the non-consent is so important, and why we under- need to understand this stuff because maybe that's the end goal with all this. What do you think, Mark? Have you thought of this at all?
2: Yeah, I've, I've sort of caught the tail end, but um, <coughs> but the. Uh, expressing that one doesn't consent to something is absolutely essential, because if one doesn't express it in some format, it is going to be implied or presumed that you assented. And then they'll go ahead and do what they want to do against you. Uh, I don't know if it was covered earlier by Tom, but you know we have a couple of processes... Oh, we have a couple of processes online um on a website for non-vaccination as well as non-lockdown because um you know people need to express that they do not consent in any form or shape or form about all the programs and processes relating to the national lockdown in any country and it's it's a very simple process it's three successive notices with an interval of either two or three weeks and that you don't consent to this, that, and the other, and that you uh, reserve your liberty and right to do as you see fit, as long as no one else is harming. And that's across the board with everything, whether they drop all the garbage from the skies, you don't consent to that. You don't consent to um, gas fracking. America's falling in the hole, I hear. (laughs) We're bringing all that to Australia. But anything that you don 't consent to and object to must be expressed to avoid the presumption that you have assented, which is an unconscious decision to agree and you know here in this country they 're going around already in parts of the country uh, police going to the doors and, and taking people and children out and having them vaccinated against their will. <clears throat> Well, one of the things they should do beforehand, uh, the people, is to express they don't consent because then it's in writing and you've got evidence and for anyone to do anything to you without your consent is illegal and unlawful. So, you know, you can go in for big damages if you've expressed that you didn't consent to whatever's being done. Absolutely essential. That's, that's uh, what can be done at an individual level anyway.
1: That's a big reason why they went for your guns big time in Australia a few years ago, because yep. uh, now when they knock on, their door, on your door, they have a reasonable expectation that they won't get shot.
2: <laughs> yep. Absolutely so. But believe me, I, <clears throat> I'm told there are more guns here now than even then, because people don't trust oh, their good. governments anymore. But no one, you know, I don't know what it is and I'm not having a go, but Aussies don't seem to have the backbone that some of the other countries have. I'm being very generalised here, but you don't see too many people stand up and say enough is enough. There are more coming and I'd like to see a lot more people step up and maybe rally and get together and just say enough is enough. And we're forming a whole bunch of strategies. We want our own police services. We want our own uh, security firm with armed security, licensed appropriately. We want, like in America, you've got rangers. I don't know if they're doing too much. I'm not on top of all that. But here, we want a proactive force to go after those thugs in alleged authority, in the public sector, that do the wrong thing. We want to go after them. If it means just uh, suing them, uh, doing private prosecutions, or uh, just preventing them from harming others, for uh, intervening, you know, there are a lot of footages where you see maybe, for example, two police officers in a public mall, you know, in a shopping area, and you see 100 people watching while a woman with a child is being beaten up by the police. You know, a harmless <laughs> adult that that couldn't harm anybody else, yet the authorities seem to target all the elderly or the weak. They never go after someone who can defend themselves, someone that, you know, no self-defence, for example, would take them out. They seem to have this hyena attitude, cowardly attitude, to go after someone who's easy pickings, To set an example for the rest. You know, the day has to come when a community pulls together, like if you've got 100 people watching on, they should just grab the two officers and pull them off and say, we're going to arrest you. We're not going to harm you, but we're going to detain you now and we're taking you down to the courts and we want you arrested and just take them down to the courts. Now, I know in America, there are people that are much more aggressive than what they are here. And probably that may already be happening, I don't know. But here, we're very laid back. Maybe we've been away from the rest of the world too long and the country's not been under threat, not since at least the Second World War when Japan looked like they're going to invade. And I tell you, there would be a lot more integrity here today if they had have invaded. I shouldn't say that. I'm stepping on toes again. But they had plans for this country to actually green it. So did the early forefathers of Australia. This country could be green to become the most productive uh, continent on earth. But it's intentionally suppressed. I know we're getting off the mark again, but we have the wrong people at the top. They're the controlled people. You know who I'm talking about. The ones with no brains, they're just following orders from internationalists, you know. The world could be a much, much better place. It's just that, you know, the deceiver still is in control for a short time. And it's up to us individually to step up and do whatever we can do. You know, I don't want my two youngsters, they're in their 20s, both of them, I don't want them saying to me on my deathbed, Dad, you said you had freedom when you were growing up and we don't have it. Why didn't you do something? My whole existence is doing something about it. To my own detriment, you know, we have a duty, a moral duty to care for this planet, if it is a planet, you know. We can all do something about it. I know it's only an intermediate here, but we won't progress unless we are seen to do the right thing on earth. So for those who say, oh, I'll let someone else do it, well, you're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> you, know, you might as well do the right thing from day one and progress. And it's so much easier anyway. You know, I couldn't imagine being a coward, for instance. I just can't imagine it because I'd be, I'd be running all the time and I'd be living in fear and probably half shocked all the time. Imagine the hormones in your body, you'd shrivel up. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> you, know? you,
1: you you watch people now that are wearing masks and compliant, and, you know, they, they're not having fun. And uh, hating everybody that doesn't agree with them. So, yeah, it, it's definitely time. And it does go back to each one of us individually because you can't wait for somebody else to do it. We saw a great video not too long ago here in the States. There was a, a scene on the beach where about four constables surrounded this. Of course, it was a woman, you know, with a mask. And she actually uh, or, or wasn't wearing a mask and they're trying to haul her off, and she was uh, being a little bit resistant. And within a matter of moments, uh, the four policemen were surrounded by a pretty huge crowd just saying, hey, knock it off, leave it around. And they all backed off, and they were just about to put her in cuffs and take her away. So all it takes is, you know, those cops are not going um, to follow sense. through if they think they're endangered. So we just have to realize we do have the power. So, uh what do you think, Tom? <laughs> How do we get the, the folks incited out there in the best of ways?
3: Legal, yeah. Yeah. You mean in Australia?
1: Well, I, you know, I see, uh, some pretty horrendous videos, uh, in Australia, in Australia. Uh, you know, exactly what uh, Mark <clears throat> is talking about, but I also see yeah. some videos where people are getting together and really standing up in Australia and fed up. And, you know, I, I told you the story. I, uh, was in a process of immigration to Australia a long time ago and uh, loved the people, you know, just kind of the rugged outdoorsman, uh, the surfer lifestyle and everything. And that's why we're going there. And that's why, I, you know, I sit back now and I'm like, wow, that's not the Australia that I used to know back in the 60s and 70s. But I think it's coming full circle like everywhere else. So, so Sorry, uh, Tom, go ahead with what you were to say.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, I agree. It's kind of, and that's, you guys know, that's a societal uh, engineering program is to take the masculine out of men and, and kind of take the feminine out of women as well. It's kind of just this gray middle ground where people don't know how to be men and women anymore. And part of that is not knowing, part of that is you're afraid to speak up or to stand up in some cases. We're conditioned in that way. That's why some people can be beaten up on the street and people will just stand and watch. They actually don't know what to do. They don't know to get involved or to not. It's, they're just in their head and they don't know how to uh, act in certain situations. So that's a societal engineering program. But as far as how to go against that, it's all about just getting back to yourself. You know, The more you can get back to nature and your own sense of being a man or a woman, in its simplicity, I think that's, that's a good step right there. But there are more people standing up now um, some of these videos, I've got to say, I'm not sure they're real. I think some, not all of them, but some I'm pretty sure, like I, I did a lot of work in security a while back and I've never seen a cop, like I know the training for security and police because I was in that, that kind of realm and nobody grabbed somebody around the throat with two hands. And there was that one video that went around where a lady was, uh, had that guy had his hands around her throat and took her to the ground. And um, that's just not normal. And then that guy also shows up in a later video as well. So I think he's one of those those plants, you know? It's like you put that out. I've been saying this in some of my videos. It's like, stop sharing that shit around. The only reason to share something like that is to pick it apart. Because what happens is people share it out of fear. Oh my God, look what people are doing now. Police can now come into our homes. Police can this and that. And Mark, I learned this from Mark. You know, people say, oh, police can do this now. Police can do that. But it's just an offer and if people start saying that oh no police can do this now well now you're speaking that into the reality you're not you're not going against it and you're us as the public are making that the reality it was never reality in the first place until we make it so so that's why i think they're getting a bit smarter these days and using social media knowing that people the same way media works people share the things that create fear separation and because it's that it hits that core of the you know, the hierarchy of needs for a human, safety, security, and those sorts of things. And when most people are already living in fear, then they gravitate straight towards that. And they'll share that faster than they'll share something that is uplifting or empowering because the uplifting and the empowering part means you have to take responsibility for learning that, putting that into action, being that and embodying that. That's a lot of work. When people don't want to do that. It's easier to share somebody getting choked out. When reality is, I'm just not sure that that happened for real. However, uh, they're going to make it real if people don't stand up to that and say no to that because we'll speak that into the new way of being where police can enter your home, vaccinate you against your will, take your phones and laptops. But at the moment, that's not a reality. It's just we can make that a reality. Um, So the the way to get around that is that's partly the reason I'm doing a lot of live streams and things at the moment is that when people can hear somebody speaking in a way that, Is calm and makes sense, then that maybe it switches that off, and they start to think a bit more rationally, because your fear is not rational. You're not going to think rationally in that term, in that state. So then, if you can start to get a bit calmer and actually observe things and look at what's really going on, and ask yourself, who am I in this situation, and how am I acting, not reacting, but how am I acting? then that is where things can start to turn. And the more people that start to do that, the less power that these establishments have. And as you guys said, that's what needs to happen is we need to be the ones that take the, take the power back. And if there are people going against their codes of conduct, which is what, if the police have a code of conduct, they can't go and do a lot of what they're doing. And some of it is real, like I said, but there's just some, uh, there's some uh, anomalies in some of those videos, but, If people did like what happened in the States, stop that from happening, then that sets a precedent. And then people feel more comfortable about being in community because the system in its engineering pulls us apart. So we all have our own things, our own family unit, our own air conditioner, our own cars, our own houses, everything. But back in the day, you know, we didn't all parent our kids because the kids grew up with sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, elders, everybody raised the kids. So being a parent was not this stressful modern day thing where you, you know, you're just making yourself sick and you're, you're ruining your kids because you're the only one that knows right and wrong. I'm telling you what to do and I'm your boss and all this. And it really wrecks the kids. So, uh, and in the same vein, you know, we, we walk around in society and, and half people are on their phones and, and you don't see each other as your community. You don't recognize half the people in your town. So that's where the separation is and the divide and conquer. If we're divided and all individual like that. So if we can set more precedents where the community has stood up and stopped tyranny, then that empowers everybody else. It draws people together. Now we're not separatists. We're actually a unified community. So I was saying before about being a unified self, that resonates the right power, but a a unified community is like a hundredfold more powerful than that. So that's where we need to move towards. And that's what I'd like to see more of is people unifying to just stand up and stop. It doesn't have to be violent. You don't have to beat your chest and yell at the sky, but standing up and just being very, very strong and present is all that that takes and doing it together.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brilliant. And just a, a perfect way to kind of cap off this conversation. And it's really encouraging to me because I know we're making progress when we begin talking about legal processes and, you know, it does involve paperwork and all the kind of boring stuff that some of us, you know, took it upon ourselves to learn, but now we're, uh, just like in medicine, it's not just, Oh, you take this herb and it's going to heal you. it's all about the resonant force fields. It's about the fact that we have the power within us. And, and that's really where we need to go as a species. And it's just great uh, listening to both of you gentlemen, where you're bringing this subject matter into that realm, you know, putting it into a much larger context. And uh, because that's, as, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only solution.
2: We're getting quite a few examples now coming through and we're putting them on our website from students who are exercising the process of holding their position when they're out in the field. For example, Nick um, uh, in Melbourne, <clears throat> he twi- twice held off the police coming onto his property. The second time, there were only 23 of them, but they still didn't come onto his property. <laughs> um, we had people uh, coming in from New Zealand that uh, went to the Gold Coast Airport. They were supposed to go into a uh, like a detention facility for two weeks because of the violence. Uh, scandemic. He just and they follow a very simple process. I, I started on when, when I dropped out, the first thing is I don't consent to that. And then when they say well, you've got to do it, you know, the, the legislation, well hang on a minute, you mentioned legislation now. Well are we in agreement here that I'm a man or if you're a woman Are we in agreement that I'm a woman? They usually say, well, what do you mean? No, no, no. Please answer the question. The the question is either yes. The answer is either a yes or a no. Am I not a man? And they'll say, okay, you're a man. What's it got? Great. We're in agreement. Now, you're forming agreements here. This is how you win when you're out in the field or in writing. And you say, well, what's the source of your authority to dictate to me what I've got to do now? And it doesn't matter if it's police, it doesn't matter if it's a, um, a medical officer or a nurse or anybody else. What's the source of your authority? And they'll say, this legislation or this act. They'll always have to refer to an act because they're creatures of statute. They're operating in the public. So they'll come up with an act. And you, you, you want... Uh, confirmation. You say, so that's an act, isn't it? And they will say, yes, of course it is. And it applies to you. Well, hang on a minute. You mentioned that's an act. How does an act apply to a man or a woman? Oh, what do you mean? No, that's not the answer to my question. My question again is, how does an act apply to a man or a woman? Where's your evidence? And they say that they will stop every single time. They're stumped. I have not seen any legislation on earth that refers to a man or a woman. Only to persons, citizens, residents, drivers, users, uh, taxpayers, rates payers. depending on which legislation you're looking at. All of these things are creatures of statute. They are not the living. So if you ask, I call these set up questions. You want to set them up to fail. So when you ask the right questions and they cannot answer them, they cannot produce the evidence, they will let you go. And, for example, at the airport, when the officer directed him into a queue to go into a detention, he said, no, my family and I don't consent. He went back and forth asking questions. He got his supervisor when he was getting nowhere. He walked through the whole process again with his supervisor. The supervisor got flustered in the end because she didn't have the evidence to show that their act applied to a man or a woman. So they got the airport superintendent. And the airport superintendent, he went through the same process. They got flustered. And in the end, they said, well, where were you intending to go? He said, to the Sunshine Coast to see my mum. He said, would you stay there for two weeks? He said, of course, I haven't seen her for a couple of years. He said, well, we'll allow you to do that. So he got his way. Now, in Melbourne, there are regions where there are lockdown, hot zones, areas of lockdown. So to get out, you've got to go through police barricades. I saw video footages of people being pulled up and saying, sir, with respect, I don't consent. What's the source of your authority? This stuff is going viral. So if people learn the process, and they'll let go, by the way, they went through from a hot zone into a normal zone. So there are, and I can give you other examples too, but it's the same process each time. Ask them, am I a man? Before you even do anything else, are we in agreement that I'm a man or a woman? and get a confirmation before you proceed and then ask them what's the source of your authority and confirm it and then how does that act apply to a man or a woman and when they ask a question like well what do you mean or where's this going don't worry about that just spend a day in court and when you see people asking the magistrate or judges a question Their comeback is we don't answer questions or don't worry about that. And then they go on their way and they shaft you, pardon the language. You get fleeced. I don't get fleeced in court. When they don't answer a question, I don't answer a question either. So if you're affronted by someone asking questions, look, don't worry about that. You're coming to me. You obviously want something. What's the problem? And when they say what it is, oh, the legislation says you've got to get indoors. Hang on a minute. Are we in agreement that I'm a man or a woman, if it's a woman? And you follow the... Pro- you take their power away from them and you stick to your subject matter, not their subject. Their subject matter is they want to rape and pillage you. Your subject matter is you want to continue to exercise your dominion your liberty and you have every right on earth to do that nobody can stop you unless you're harming someone well who are you harming now when can you imagine a world full of millions and billions of people who follow this process and suddenly the authorities have lost their power they can't control people anymore and they don't need to control them because if people exercise their liberty and did the right thing, they wouldn't harm anybody. So what do we need police for? What do we need government for? Remember in the old, in old Palestine, when the 12 tribes were there, they only had Samuel, who was a prophet, the intermediate directly between the people and the creator. You don't need government. That's where We fell. When the people rebelled and wanted to have an earthly king just like all the other country or lands around palestine and the creator said no you've got an you've got me you don't need an earthly king that's samuel um gosh i've I've forgotten how. samuel eight eight verse three i think one samuel eight verse three but anyway the governments have authority because the people allowed it. However, we can transition from a government back to a profit. And I'd like to see that happen. We're doing stuff behind the scenes slowly, and I'll crank it up as my time gets free. We want to take this country back. And then we want to transition from normal government. It has to be an independent party because the two party crony system worldwide is of course a controlled system so you've got to get rid of them first but once you're in power then you can transition into a, a, a better way a better system but not before educating the people but people need massive education because there's been a void now for a hundred years been a massive void we've got to go back to the root principles And we can do that. But first, you've got to have control. You've got to have the armed forces on side. You've got to have the police on side. You've got to have the industrialists on side who can sponsor it all. There's a plan. I was given a plan when I met some some people who helped put Hitler in power. I don't know if they're still alive. But, you know, they were benevolent people at that time. They were volunteers, the first 100 SS. And they wanted to restore a country to its former glory, which it was entitled to. It was quashed by the thugs that that took it over back in 1918. And 13 governments after that did nothing, nothing. So all you had to do was light the spark. The people were ready, just like they're ready in every country today. You light the spark, they will rally. They're sick and tired of the Democrats, the Republicans, Liberal, Labor. Who of any of them has ever done one iota good for the country and its people since, well, 100 years ago already?
0: Yeah, it's all, it's all fiction anyways. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, we've been, you're right. We've been putting the cart before the horse a lot here. People talk about all these solutions, but if you don't have the proper infrastructure to launch the new world, the new realm with, you know, and we're still in that fictional space, it's all for naught anyways. So, I mean, that's just very brilliant, Mark, but point is like, first and foremost, this stuff needs to be understood and needs to be taught. People need to be educated about this so they know who they really are as a living man or woman and what their rights really are at, um, from the universe, from natural law, from
2: the creator. I went to a big meeting in 2000. Uh, there were two barristers that were running. I knew both of them and they're both fierce. And uh, they had a, a man in the center of the room that was already groomed as the future prime minister. I asked him, you've got plans to get to government, do you? He looked at me like I was a zombie or something. and He said, yeah, of course I have. I said, do you have um, a plan to stay in power? He said, what do you mean? I thought, oh, my God, here we go again. You know, they don't have a clue what they're facing. None of these independents do. I think some are waking up, though, I must admit. But I watched in um, Austria in 2000 a, um, a, socialist, a national socialist, you know, someone who believed in their country, said Austria for Austrians. Let's stop the immigration and get jobs for Austrians. Terrible man, you know believing in his country, you know, believing in his own people. Anyway, he got into power against the odds of the mainstream parties. He was deposed two weeks later. He didn't have the muscle behind him. You know, unfortunately, that's a bit naive. You can't do this sort of stuff being a zombie or or, or a bit naive. You, You have to be fully prepared. And believe me, it is a war. It's a spiritual war. It goes right to the top. You can't make mistakes. There's no room for mistakes. You know, it takes a lot of planning. Yeah. And it takes people power. You can't do it with a handful of people. You need to have the policies to draw the masses. I went to another meeting back in about 2009 or 10 or later, no, it was no. It was it was only about five five years ago. Sorry, it was a room full of about two hundred and fifty people. Eight candidates for the election, six independents, two incumbents. The two incumbents left early. They were heckled. The six independents all were loyalists. They believed in this country. They, you could you'd see their hearts were in it. They pled their cause during the course of the day. I was supposed to sum up in the end to a half-hour summation. I didn't get it because we have some original people here who have egos and they took over the meeting and took out time. I I got to sum up five minutes at the end. I said, I don't know how to sum it up, but you six people seem decent people. You believe in this country, not what the shysters have done to it. But the problem is one people party is not going to change the system. You won't get in, and certainly not with one main policy. You need to have depth and breadth. You need to have three or four key policies that draw the majority of the population. And we've redone the survey. 60% of the population in this country would vote for some other party other than the two mainstream if there was a third national party. The tests have been done, searches, it's all done. I said to them, you know, we want to form an umbrella. You can keep your identity, but we want to field candidates at all 78 federal seats. We want a team around them. We have infrastructure. And if yours aren't the mainstream policies, we will have the four or five or six key policies and we will bring your lesser ones in behind them and bring them in. If you would align, would you align with such an organization? They all gave their cards to me and said we would be part of it. I've talked to others in the meantime. We could field 78, and that's what we're working on. I hope this doesn't get into the wrong hands. You know, (laughs) we need an element of surprise too. But yep, any country can do this. By the way, we have a uh, an app. Builder on board. He has several apps in the top 10 in this country, including the military. Number one is to the military. He's got got an app for us right now so that we can do communications virally all around the world simultaneously, privately. He builds the system right from the beginning. So they don't buy a platform and then put add-ons. They build the entire system. Microsoft asked him if it worked for them. He said no. Anyway, he's got one for us so that we can talk to people on our database who want to be part of a movement that can do something positive for this country. So maybe some of you people might like to talk to him too. You might be able to do the same for for other countries. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're all about (laughs) community here and creating our own communities and then coming together as a force of reckoning so yes. that's that's what it's all about right um question what's your then view on as we're getting kind of into civics here and we are kind of running up on time here but i could talk to you all night i'm sure <laughs> bear could do mark you and tom are just brilliant uh anarchy right um so the, an idea of a republic versus an idea of having um sort of a society with the philosopher king kind of somebody who, like the old indigenous tribes where they had someone who really cared about their community and took responsibility for it—a leader, somebody that was, um, you know, had the vision, or anarchy where it's all self-governance, or the classic idea of a republic, which supposedly the U.S. was originally trying to be. What's your idea then, in terms of using this with the the common law statutes and all that? What is your ideal situation then?
2: I'm going to step on more toes here. (laughs) And I apologise up front, but I've looked through history and I think the longest republic only ever lasted about 250 years. Unfortunately, when it's a republic, it allows corporates to get in there and bribe and let money talk and, and, you know... Dishonour gets in and greed gets in and, and systems collapse. I'm not a... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a believer in democracy, rule of the mob, and I'm not, not really in favour of um, republics because of what I just said. Um, there are some countries in the world even today, believe it or not, that have benevolent dictators I'm not keen on dictators as a rule, but where the people have elected and re-elected and they see the benefits. Uh, You know, the royal families were were actually created as benevolent dictators. Their first priority was to their subjects. If they didn't uh, look after their subjects, they got beheaded. So they had a vested interest to make sure their people were looked after. Well, uh, Singapore has a benevolent dictator. It's not the only example. Um, is Iraq, uh, what Hussein was a benevolent dictator. He actually pulled together several components of a country who were constantly at war and held the fabric together and was actually an American plant. And then when he decided that he'd go away from the U.S. dollar, he was suddenly the enemy. And, of course, they went in there and punch, punch, punch and all that. But it took two goes because. (laughs) But I think that the system under like what they had in Palestine with a profit, look, if if it was good enough for the creator, it's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I haven't seen any other system that works so well. That lasted for thousands of years, and people had respect for those prophets because they actually did the right thing. And so, like, patient, so like
0: uh, Plato's philosopher king
2: idea, could be. yeah, could be. Yep, hmm. and I, kinda, the, I kind of I kind of
0: agree with you. That's why uh, it's interesting. I've been kind of going down that uh, thinking a lot lately.
2: Well, even Hitler, you know, he got in with forty percent of the vote in '33 between thirty-six parties wasn't a bad achievement. And the second party got ten. Well, they amalgamated, and after that, they took. You know, he got into power, and and got the presidency through the another leader anyway. But the next election and the third election before the war started, he got something like. 92 or 96 percent each time please show me a leader anywhere in history that has got that kind of support from their people and it was only a transition he already said he didn't like government and it was going to be a transition he didn't even want to be the leader but he, he he didn't like what the world did to his country and its people and he wanted to resurrect it before it was completely annihilated. And he did that. He actually did what he said he was going to do. And it was only a transition. He would go out of government. He was a, an artist. My dad has three of his books an arts book, Round Table, and a signed Mein Kampf in German, which is not the same as English. Anything in English gets adulterated because they want to hide the history. My dad's a historian. I didn't go into all that. I learned a lot from him when I met him from my 30s. He was gone when I was three. He was always a double agent and a this and a that. So mum said, you know, I thought, if anyone, uh, if there's one person in the world you can trust, it's mum. But I heard a different story, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I met him, I thought he was either an accidentally at a party, my half-brother's birthday party. I couldn't just ignore him. So I sat for an hour and I figured he was either extremely intelligent or insane, which is it? So I had to go and see him again. And when I saw a library of books that don't exist, and he's read all of them and he can tell you everything that went on anywhere and and sends information to the likes of David um, Irving or Douglas Christie, who's now passed away, you know, when you see that information and that knowledge and the evidence, you see the evidence, you, you can't refute something. I've had to change some of my deeply held views in my lifetime because I was caught out by people who showed me evidence. Well, only a fool would believe the same erred way of thinking onwards. If you are shown a wrong way, well, you've got to change. And only an open mind can do it. And unfortunately, you know, we've been so heavily conditioned around the world to keep a shut mind and give all our energy to our governments because they're going to look after us while they kill you. You know, it's time man and woman step up and assume their God-given rights as co-creators. We all have that ability and it's time we step up to it. And if, if only that message gets through to all your viewers that they can change their lives and become the incredible supermen and superwomen that they are, then this world would change overnight. We just need an yeah. army of them.
1: And David Icke is saying it brilliantly these days, and it's time for humanity to get up off of its knees.
2: Yes, it is. Though it's another word that's a little bit colorable. A judge once said to me, (laughs) Oh, oh, you can do that, uh, Mr. Patelic, which I don't answer to, uh, because you're human. And I looked at him, I said, Really? Do you have the evidence for that? and his jaw hit the ground. Hugh is a monster. I know to some people I'm probably a monster, but, you know, not in that context. If he had said, you know, you're a man, you can do that, I would have accepted that. But, no, I'm not accepting human. <laughs> but in our general conversation, it's fine. It's just know when, to, know when you know, to hold your position. If you're facing the public and they're offering you something which is an entrapment, I've had judges say, yeah, you have the right to do that. or no, 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 thanks. I'll reserve my rights, thank you, and you may have your privileges back again. You've got to know what's being said. Or, oh, you don't have to apologise, Mr Bertelli. Well, Your Honour, I know, but, jeez, I'm glad I did. What he was trying to say, do is give back the apology and annul it so you never apologised for a commercial default that you might have caused. But by saying, but I'm glad I did, I threw it back at him. So the apology stood. It's all chess. If you know how to play chess, you're going to win big time in this game, I tell you. It's all manoeuvre. It's understanding how to negotiate in commerce.
1: Right. And Tom, do you have any parting uh, <laughs> words for us or messages you'd like us to hear?
3: <laughs> no I don't know. We went through a whole whole bunch of stuff today. It was great. I think um, politically, I agree with what you guys were talking about. I've said for a number of years a benevolent dictatorship would be the right way to go and the reason for that is there's not enough people that know what to do with freedom and that's the, one of the reasons that we have the world that we have it's like there's an old Uh, analogy that if we took all the money that's in the world now, spread it evenly throughout the world, within six months, those that were rich would be rich again. Those that would be poor would be poor again because it's what's in here. And so people, I don't think, and I'm not trying to be negative, but I don't think enough people know what to do with freedom yet. Everybody says, oh, we want freedom. We want this, we want that. But they haven't done the work enough yet to know what to do with it. And I think that's why a benevolent dictatorship would be the best short-term solution until enough people grow up and stop being 12-year-olds in adult bodies and they become men and women. Once people become men and women and we still have elders in society, which we don't have anymore. You know, I look up to guys like, you know, Bear and Mark, because you guys are like my elders and you've done more than I've done. But in general, in society, we, we don't have elders to look up to anymore. Pe- children, uh, teenagers look up to other teenagers because they got a million followers on Instagram or they wrote a pop song that goes for two minutes and sings about nothing. That's what, that's what the young generations are being groomed by now. So I don't think we have the ability to be free yet, but I think if we start working on it now, that's not far off. And so I think, um, but in general, you know, just to go back to, to summarize, it is just a matter of doing the work. You know, it takes work to be healthy in body and mind. It takes work to know your rights, to understand what this system is that we were born into. And on some level, before we came to this earth, we chose this particular <coughs> timeline to be a part of. So we can't say that, you know, oh, this is a shit world and I don't want to be here. Well, on some level, we chose it. We knew what we were getting into before we came here. So it is up to us to actually learn the rules of the game so that we can participate in a way that makes us healthy, happy, and vibrant and prosperous. And so that takes some work. It's not a matter of going on Instagram and getting it in five seconds. It's not a matter of just eating shit food or, not paying attention to what you're putting into your body or your mind. So I think it's just a nice timely reminder for people that we do get to choose what we do with this life, but it also is work. And that work doesn't have to be uh, a drag or a drain. It can be very fulfilling, uh, forget hmm. his name, Gabriel. Someone said that, uh, work is love made visible. So if we make it our work to become free, healthy, happy people, It doesn't have to be a drag like nine to five work, the way we're conditioned that work is in our society. It's actually a very joyful, creative experience when it's taken the right way.
2: Nine till 2 a.m., you mean? (laughs) No, I know what you're saying. Very good summary, Tom. Um,
1: Well, I nominate nominate Mark as the um, dictator of the world. Do I have any seconds? (laughs) second
2: yeah you might regret that but you might regret it because i would probably make hitler look like a pussy oh wow (laughs) no for the benefit of the people of course
0: yeah well we won't we didn't even touch on the whole you know what when it comes to the hitler equation we won't even that's a 14-hour talk on uh We're starting to get into some deep, deep, deep truth telling there,
3: (laughs) triggering
0: millions of people as we speak.
2: If the people really knew the truth, you know, just one little example, just one tiny example. You know, we're told constantly today the Western world's finished because our population is declining because we're having less than two people per family. Does that make, does that sound familiar? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the same was happening in uh, between 1918 and 33 in Germany. They, they were, the population was going backwards. So you look at history, you don't have to believe Marky, you look at history between 33 and 45, they had a boom in Germany from local, uh, you know, families having lots of children. How did he stimulate it? Well, firstly... He had to get people working again. Forty percent unemployment within a year, they were down to like two or something like that. No one's done that in history; it's recorded. So he's a pretty bum steer when uh, getting the economy working, but he did that. Secondly, he said we need more Germans. You know, we haven't got enough employee They actually imported a lot of Italian workers because the economy boomed. Just look at history. But how he got the Germ- Germans going, he said. For every new baby, we will give 25% off the mortgage. And if you have two, you'll have 50% of the mortgage gone. If you have three, 75 If you have four, you have no longer any mortgage. Well, what do you suppose the people did? Everybody owned their homes in no time at all in Germany. It became the richest country on earth by 37 that had to be stopped. So there had to be a war to crush it. Now, has any other country on earth ever done that? That's one little example. Where do you think social welfare came from? Everyone says to to the UK. No, Germany started to institute paid holidays and even penalty times. Oh no, not under a Nazi government that dreaded Nazi government, it can't be. Where do you think organic food was coined from? From the German uh, Minister of Agriculture. I have a book called Blood and Soil, written by an Englishwoman of all things, who actually uplifted the German uh, agricultural economy because Hitler wanted Germany to be food free, to be uh, so independent and without chemicals. They had to be organically produced food. I'd like to see our country doing all this stuff. I don't know if you liked America to be doing that, but what a terrible leader. Well, I would follow those policies, so I would be a terrible guy too. You know, having a healthy nation, what was I thinking? Anyway.
0: There's lots of room
2: for improvement, isn't there?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Amazing. And we're going to have to have you on, Mark, uh, back for that talk. And,
2: uh, (laughs) um, yeah. Well, that much compared to my dad. My dad has spent a lifetime when he was nine and the war was finished and all the bombers stopped bombing over his house and over the cities. His dad didn't come back, because, but before he came back on the last trip from Russia, the Russian front, he said, we're going to lose, but we will fight to the death to prevent them coming into Germany and don't believe what the stories will be after the war. Well, as a nine-year-old, what would be in your mind? What does he mean? What does he mean, don't believe what they tell you after the war? So he spent his lifetime gathering the books, meeting the remnants of the military leaders, you know, when he was in his late teens and early 20s, meeting ex-leaders who were still alive, ex-spouses, political leaders that were still alive, because his older brother was actually high up in the military and had connections. So I've not met them, but... My dad is still alive and within the vicinity here with a library. That's going to be my life. He's not donating it to Russia to put him because I want those books. <laughs> but anyway. Wow.
0: What a treasure. He's, well,
2: <laughs> he's the one to talk to. He's a walking encyclopedia.
0: Wow. Well, um, that is quite fascinating and something we would love to talk to you more about, Mark, and we'll have you back on, I'm sure. This has been an amazing talk. We appreciate you guys so much. We're going to wrap it up right now, but we'll have you guys back on because there's just so much to uh, uncover here. And I would love to go down some rabbit holes of Tartaria too, which is something that's become like one of my favorite things in the mud flood and all that stuff, you know, it's so important we get all this out. So, um, hey, everybody, listen to this. <laughs> um, we thank you so much. If this resonated with you, all this truth telling and all these amazing solutions, please follow us on alphavedic.com. You can join us on our telegram, t.me forward slash alphavedic. That's t.me forward slash alphavedic. Our Discord is alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. Tom Barnett's got a new website coming out called tombarnett.tv. Is that correct, Tom? Tom, Tom, Tom Barnett.tv, which will be the bomb. Uh, and of course, Mark's website is, is it solutionsempowerment.com, Mark? What was it again? Yeah. Yes, it is. Solutionsempowerment.com. Solutions- <laughs> su- we have some people in the chat. I'm so sorry I didn't get to your questions today, but um, was just just couldn't talk enough. Uh, like, Hang the Banksters is in there, and he's talking at our event, and he's a member uh, of uh, Solutions Empowerment. Uh, Nathaniel and he had nothing but high praise for you guys so um, you know it's the real deal it's worth the subscription guys if this is something you're really serious about uh, which you should be um, we highly recommend getting involved now and um, in educating yourself because this is where this is where everything's going so we're happy to be spreading this information And, uh, for those in California area on the West coast or, or in the Western United States or anywhere in the world, if you want to do it, come, uh, hang out this weekend in Joshua tree. We'll be talking about this all weekend long, all this stuff. So, um, Bear Lando, thanks so much for, uh, always dropping your pearls of wisdom and thanks for being, uh, thanks for telling me about this stuff 10 years ago. (laughs) Cause it's really changed my life. So, uh, okay guys. Hey, Tom and Mark. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you guys. You guys are powerful forces in the world and um, the world is so much so better much. place for having Thank you here.
2: You. Yes. Thank you so Thanks, much, man. Mike. And, and nice to meet you both, Michael and, and Tom again. And, and you too, uh, because uh, I've heard of you many times too. And um, it's a pleasure to actually finally meet. And I-, I Don't
1: I, believe I, anything you've ever heard.
2: yeah well we all get a bit of that too if you do a google search i'm a uh, i'm training up an army and the neighbors are wondering when the tanks are coming and you know it's the old story if they can't beat you they've got to malign you so the population doesn't get onto it so you know nothing like defamation. exactly it's been a pleasure to meet you all so
0: great having you. You, having you guys on. Everybody listening, thank you so much. Please subscribe, please share, please like, please send to your friends and help this thing get everywhere. Later. Oh, and go outside and grow something, will ya? Peace.